Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 21 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Let me first start off by saying Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. I hope everyone has a wonderful Christmas day, a wonderful Christmas Eve, a wonderful holiday season so far. You can listen to this fine podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, etc., etc. Any fine podcast application. You can also find the social medias at Banner Banter Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18. I know it's the holidays. I know a lot of people are probably traveling to their families, with their families, to their in-laws, with their in-laws, to their friends, with their friends, you name it. That is probably what you're doing and hopefully you're listening to this podcast right now. So hello to someone who doesn't know who I am and thanks again for listening to the people who do know who I am. I am Timmy G, your favorite Boston Celtics ticket holder. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. I'll try and make this quick as possible. Currently, the Celtics are 19-13. and 13. They have the same exact record as they did in 2016-2017. And you're probably saying to yourself, why do you say that? Well, that, 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 that team made the Eastern Conference Finals. Sure, they got the gentleman sweep from the Cavs. They lost 4-1. to one. I believe, yeah, they it was a gentleman's sweep. They lost four to one, but the Cavs suck. So look at that positivity thrown thrown right at you. The Celtics started off a season nineteen and thirteen and still made it to these conference finals. Long way to go this season. Currently, the Celtics are four and a half games out of first, three games out of the two seed, and two games back from the third and the four seed. Currently, the Pacers and the Seventy Sixers are tied. The draft pick situation. We'll talk about the draft picks a little bit because there's something I really just don't want to talk about. So I'm going to try and drag this out so we don't have to. But the draft pick situation right now, it it's really not ideal for the Celtics. What Danny and others were hoping for right now. You have the 13th, the 18th, 21st, and the 23rd pick. The Grizzlies are de- are on the decline, which is good. They've lost five out of the last six. The Kings have won six out of the last ten, and the Clippers have the same exact record as the Celtics do. Right now, the 13th pick would be, after looking at some mock drafts, Romeo Langford, a guard from Indiana, who's really good. He's a stud. He's like a better Terry Rozier. He still can't play defense like Terry, but he's that same type of very quick, explosive guard who can get to the hoop pretty well and can shoot threes very well, too. Let's see, the 18th pick, you'd have Simi Chateau from Vanderbilt, who is a 6'10 power forward. A lot of people compare him to J.J. Hickson. Really not the best comparison to have in the world, but still a good rebounder, still a good player. And then, I'm actually kind of excited for this one. If this guy can fall to the 21st, kind of like the Time Lord dropped to the Celtics at 27 last year, DeAndre Hunter from Virginia. A lot of you guys know I'm a Duke fan, so I pay a lot of close attention to ACC basketball. And DeAndre Hunter is a 6'7", 225, small forward, power forward, you know, probably power forward in college, small forward in the NBA. He would be like the next Marcus Smart, but bigger and longer. Like his wingspan's ridiculous. He's an unbelievable defender. I'm actually looking to see how he would defend someone like R.J. Barrett from Duke when Virginia and Duke play pretty soon. I mean, conference 
play for college basketball starts right after the new year. So it'll be very interesting to see how DeAndre Hunter goes up against the Zion Williamsons and the RJ Barretts and the Cam Reddishes of the world. And then you have an, at the 23rd, you have Jalen Horde, a 6'8 forward from Wake Forest. Wake Forest has sucked probably ever since like Chris Paul was left. But from what I've heard, the kid can play flat out. So the Celtics could get four really good picks here, but let's be serious. Danny's not going to draft four first-round picks this upcoming NBA draft. So, yeah, that that's what we're going to talk about right now. Nothing else because there's really nothing else I want to talk about because I really don't want to talk about this players' meeting, but we're going to have to talk about the players' meeting. <sighs> okay. So after the embarrassing Bucks loss on Friday night, the Celtics had a players-only meeting in the locker room. A lot of weird things came out of it, but it's it might have been something the team needed. At first, I was so angry about how poorly the Celtics played after the Bucks game when I was starting to read all the tweets from the Celtics media guys saying, this is the longest I've had to wait. Maybe they're having a players-only meeting. Why aren't the Celtics out of their locker room yet? I instantly was like, oh my God, are we going to turn it into the Wizards? A bunch of great, talented guys on the same team, but their egos are too big. They think they're better than what they are, and the team's just going to go to crap. It's, it, it crossed my mind. It was, it was very, very scary. But when the players did come out, they, everyone was talking about being on the same page, but they weren't, and it kind of freaked me out even more. Jalen Brown was the first one that came out and basically said he would not get any, any details about it, would stay in the locker room. You know what? I respect that. That's fine. Jason Tatum said everything just needs to stay in the locker room. Okay, great. Gordon Hayward said it needed to stay between the players. Great. And then Kyrie. Kyrie, he, Kyrie just loves to chat. Kyrie just loves to put words together. And sometimes it drives me bananas, okay? And this is what he had to say, which is weird because everyone else didn't want to talk about it. Kyrie said there's obviously some selfish play going on out on the court. Now, is that by Jason Tatum? Is that by Jalen Brown? Or is that by Kyrie himself? Because there are times where Kyrie's pretty selfish. I, I think we can all agree with that. And then he said he can literally do any, he can literally do nothing I'm sorry. He literally can do anything he wants out there at any time. But at the same time, what can I do for my teammates to be more successful and that sometimes he gets caught up in iso ball? So he was basically saying, yeah, the other guys can't do iso ball, but I can do anything I want out there. But, like, why say that? Like, why would you say that? Just say, hey, we're stuck on iso ball, including myself, and we got to make a change. Why say the other crap? I, I really feel like he was just calling out the young guys, talking about how the young guys sometimes don't have the mental mentality, like the championship mental mentality, to really be focused and locked in on this season because of the amount of pressure that was on him. And that's very true. I, I, I think Jalen Brown was yapping too much. We've You guys heard me talk about it before. Terry Rozier, yapping too much. And maybe the pressure's too much for them. Because last year, they didn't have any pressure. They were like, hey, Kyrie's hurt. Gordon Hayward's hurt. If the Celtics don't make the playoffs, it's not that big of a deal. But Terry and Jalen got to showcase themselves. Now we actually have to rely on these guys when Kyrie is needs a breather or when Marcus Morris or Jason Tatum need a breather if Jalen Brown's coming off the bench. So there's a lot more pressure on these guys. And Jason Tatum started off the year well, and then he kind of sucked in November, but he's finally got his mojo back. It's It's really, really interesting. So... To me, you, you got to think, what's the real issue? Is it the fact that the veterans and us fans are expecting too much of these young guys? Like, a lot of people were like, oh, Terry Rozier was so good in the playoffs, even though, like, he really wasn't. 
the the pressure that these guys now have because of the whole scary Terry movement is ridiculous. And Jalen Brown had a great Eastern Conference Finals when he was when he was fasting. But should we put all that pressure on Jalen Brown for starting to be like to take that huge leap? Yes and no. But these guys need to come back to earth, Terry and Jalen and Jason, and realize that yes, they are good players. Yes, they helped us go very far last year. But at the end of the day. You're still, you you know, you're not Kyrie, you're not Horford, you know, you're not LeBron or Kevin Durant. You're a good, solid NBA player. It Like, I'm being serious, you know, like, Terry Rozier, he's been okay this year, but he should be ready to play 24-7, and this year he hasn't. Jalen Brown, he was supposed to take a big leap, again, he hasn't. Jason Tatum, again, was supposed to take a big leap, and... I mean, if you think about it, none of the rookies have really taken a big jump from last year. Ben Simmons is still putting up basically the same numbers. Donovan Mitchell has been borderline terrible this year. I mean, I think the other night he went 1 for 10 from the field and only scored 4 points in in a game that he played in because I was playing I noticed it because someone that I was playing in fantasy basketball had him and I was just like, "Oh great, I'm going to lose." And then nope. Donovan Mitchell sucked. But I think at the end of the day, we could talk about this team meeting, we could talk about the selfish play. We could talk about the ISO ball. We could talk about every, anything you want. It all comes down to effort with this team. It really does. Effort, effort, effort. If this team doesn't put in any effort on the glass, on the defensive end, they're going to lose. The offense will – the talent is there offensively. I'm, I'm not worried about that. But this team needs to rebound and play defense, and everything is going to be fine. It's a promise. But it's kind of hard to do that. Because over the last couple of weeks, the hospital Celtics have been back. I mean, we could recap all the games over the last few weeks and say, hey, guess what? The Celtics still had a lot of injuries. And that's true. You, you think about it. Al Horford has been bothered with his knee, hasn't played in the last seven games, and then he comes back and plays against the Hornets. Everything looks gravy. Aaron Baines broke his hand in the first quarter of the Suns game this past, this past Wednesday. He's going to be out four to six weeks. He'll probably be back. Probably the week of the Warriors game, like that second to last week in January. But so yeah, probably like post MLK Day, he'll be back. You know, which is fine. And then you had Mar- Marcus Morris, who his knee was bothering him, and last year his knee bo- bothered him, and he played through it. But now the Celtics are like, don't do that. Take the rest. So are the Celtics playing things too cautiously with the hospital Celtics? Like, could Al Horford played the Bucks the other night? Maybe take the Hornets game off. Do you have what I'm trying to say here? Like, are they trying to take care of these guys too much? And it could affect them because that loss to the Suns the other night, which we'll get into, could be one of those losses which makes them either a two seed or a three seed or a one seed or a four seed. It those losses like that, like just put in Al Horford for a couple minutes and just see how they do. Because DeAndre Ayton destroyed the Celtics on the boards because there was no big guy around. I mean, sure, Time Lord was around, but Time Lord isn't ready yet. You know, he's he's getting there, but he's just not ready yet. And then the other person that was injured for a bit, not that he played a lot, but was Gershon Yabaselli. He had a really bad sprained ankle. He missed a couple weeks. And sure, he's come back and played some garbage time over the last two or three games. But the hospital Celtics are a real thing. And if this team can be healthy and the effort's there, we won't have to be talking about team meetings anymore. That's a promise, my friends. That is a promise. All right, let's talk about... Hmm, what should we do here? Let's do this. And now, it is time for the Celtics stud. 
and the Celtics dud of the week. All right, let's get into it. Your Celtics stud and dud of the week. Sure, we could say Kyrie. He's been doing his thing lately, but he's supposed to. Tatum's been doing his thing lately, finally. But let's give it out to Marcus Smart this week because Marcus Smart, yes, he has missed 14 out of his last 21 shots, but he kept them in the Suns game. He kept them in the Bucks game. Yes, I understand he was a minus 15 versus the Bucks, but in his last three games, he has nine steals. Ready for this? His last two games, zero turnovers. And he's doing every single thing that Brad Stevens is asking him to do. Like this week, three games, he's had a total of 14 assists. Very good. You know, his rebounds have been great. He's just doing everything right. He was a plus 17 versus the Hornets. He always makes the extra pass. He's getting a little bit more confident with his threes, especially those corner threes. I, I think Marcus is trying to figure out if he gets in the corner, and he gets an open three, take it. I think I trust Marcus more in the corner than I do at the top of the key when there's like two seconds left in the shot clock and he heaves it up. Marcus has been perfectly fine. There, you know, there are times where you look where he they win a game by five and he scores 18, but then they lose a game by 13, he scores eight. So he's an important part to this team, so I have to give him a shout-out. Marcus Morris, I'm, I'm sorry, Marcus Smart is your stud this week, and your dud, you think it's going to be Jalen Brown, and trust me, I'm going to, I'm going to go on a Jalen Brown rant, but it's got to be Gershon Yapiselli. He got a new haircut, and now he looks like Cisco on steroids. He really does, and I think we can all agree, if you actually look at Yabo's butt, he's got dumps like a truck, 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 and Celtics fans like, what, what, what? Like, I'm being serious. I just don't understand why Celtics players are dyeing their hair. Daniel Tice, fail, and then Gershon Yabiselli thinks it's a good move. Nope. Sorry, bud. It's not a good look. And then you're going to put like a headband over it? Mm -mm. Nope. All set, bud. Love your, love the smile. You're the probably the best Celtics meme player this side of the Mississippi, but you get the dud this week for that ugly ass haircut looking like a Jack Cisco. You're, I feel like you, you look like what Cisco wanted to look like when he was popular in his true Hill days. And if I'm going down like a weird R&B road and no, no one knows who Drew, Drew Hill is again, is then... I mean, that's your loss because clearly you don't understand how deep is your love for me because that song was a jam. All right, let's recap the Suns game. Super simple, guys. No effort on the boards, no effort on defense. They lost 111 to 103. I I don't want to say it was like a terrible loss because going into the game, the Suns were, I think the Suns had a three or four game win streak going into the game. They were playing probably their best basketball that they have all year. Everyone was healthy because Devin Booker before that was out for like two weeks with a groin or hamstring injury. So I love guys. I'm a big Devin Booker guy. I'm I love watching the kid play. DeAndre Ayton's really good. The entire bench during this game, I think the I think the bench is why they lost. And the entire bench was a minus, especially Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown played 23 minutes. Went. Three of nine from the field, one board, one block was a minus three. Gordon Hayward, you say, hey, 10, 5, and 4, looked really good, came off of screens well, minus 13. Time Lord, 4, 4 from the field, eight boards, five blocks, a minus 13. The Celtics guys were out-rebounded, 57 to 36. 
What did we talk about in last week's episode? The Celtics rebound the ball well. They win. It's not rocket science. It, it's, it's not like what it used to be where, like, you know, hey, the Celtics only lost the rebound battle by five. That's a victory for them. No, this is serious, okay? The Celtics need to rebound the basketball. DeAndre Ayton had 18 rebounds in that game. So if you take away DeAndre Ayton from that game, and yes, I understand there was no Baines because he got hurt like the first like four minutes of the game, no Horford, no Morris. I understand that. You take away DeAndre Ayton, the Celtics still lost the rebounding battle. DeAndre Ayton had 18 rebounds, and the amount of second-chance points that the Celtics gave up was unbelievable. It was absolutely unbelievable. And Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum's defense during that game drove me absolutely crazy. Now, we can all talk about when you're growing up as a kid and you're playing defense, you put your your hands behind your back. That way you're not reaching because if you reach, I teach, okay? I get all that. But if Devin Booker has the ball and you're switched onto him because all the Celtics do is switch. I think the only person who doesn't switch is Marcus Smart when Kemba Walker's playing or a really good guard. So, for example, when the Celtics play the Rockets this week, they're not going to switch on James Harden because James Harden will just destroy them. Because, you know, James Harden getting switched on Daniel Tice, game over. But if you can, if you're switched on to Devin Booker, what do you think you should do? Go ahead. Say it out loud in front of your family because I know everyone's listening to this around their kitchen table around Christmas Eve. Go ahead. You should probably put your hand up, right? And put your hand in his face, make sure he can't see the basket that well, or even after he drags his arm through, because, you know, he could pull that Kevin Durant move where he drags his arm through and flings his arms up, and then your arm gets caught in the middle of it, and then he goes to the free throw line and shoot three. Just put your hand up. Make make distractions, because de- without a hand in Devin Booker's face and no distractions, he's going to hit it. And that's what he did. And it drove me crazy. It absolutely drove me crazy. And... Jason Tatum's selfish play, you know, kind of came up again in this game. Zero assists. Nine games with zero assists this this season. 22 games with two assists or less. Jason Tatum needs to swing the ball more. I understand he's a prolific scorer in this league. He's very good. And Brad has set up a lot of setups where Kyrie will come off of screens kick the ball over to Jason in the corner, and everyone leaves him alone because Jason in the corner, one-on-one, can beat someone with his left, with his right, with his step back. It doesn't matter. Pass the ball a little bit more, bud. Pass it. I promise you. I promise you. Pass it. Kyrie in this Suns game was great, but he was so good. He literally (laughs) was two assists away from a double-double. He had eight assists in the first half, and he only finished with 10. So what happened? What, were guys missing more shots? Yeah. Was was Kyrie being a little bit more selfish? Seeing guys like miss shots going, okay, this is going to have to be on me. Yeah, sure. But these type of losses right here are, are really going to affect the Celtics down the road. Because think about it. Celtics win this game the other night. Now they're only like a, a game behind the three seed in the Pacers. It's just like stuff like this that drives you crazy, and then it makes the games against better teams more important. And if they can't even beat the Suns, how do you expect them to beat the Bucks or the 76ers or the Rockets or the Spurs, which are all games that are coming up? Or, I mean, the Bucks game already happened, but they got the Rockets, they got the Spurs, they got the 76ers, the Timberwolves. 
the Mavericks, a lot of good teams coming up. So if you can't do something simple and basic, like put in effort against the Suns, then <sighs> holy guacamole. All right, Friday. I've been, been a season ticket holder for over 10 years, for a long, long time. That was probably one of the top five worst performances I have ever seen the Celtics play on national TV. And sure, that may sound like a little drastic and a little dramatic. And sure, we could talk about some really crappy playoff performances against the Heat or the Cavs or basically LeBron in plain English. But this was one of the worst non-LeBron Celtics games on national TV I've seen. The Celtics came out absolutely firing, absolutely firing. 10 to 1 run. 10 to 1. The Celtics were up 9 with like 8 minutes to go in the first quarter. And then they got absolutely washed on the floor. Same thing happened in the Hornets game. Yes, I understand that they won the Hornets game, but they got a, such a such a big lead. And then next thing you know, you're like, wow, hey, Celtics are back. Nice. All right, let's go. And then they just give up and let the team get back into it. And once the Bucks took over the lead, it was over. It was absolutely over. And you want to know why it was over? Because Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown needed to have a big basketball game. Jalen Brown had to step up because no Marcus Morris, no Al Horford. Someone had to step up. Gordon Hayward started the game with Semi Ojale because Semi can try to control Giannis Antetokounmpo. You can't contain him, but just control him at least. And I, I think the Celtics did a great job defensively with them, but Jalen Brown... I don't know what happened to this kid. I don't know if it's all mental or what. But going into this game, going into this Bucks game, the last three games he played, he was averaging four points a game. Six of 25 from the field. 0 of 9 from three. Terrible. A lot of the time, Jalen, I feel like, kind of steps out of the offense. Like, he catches it. He's supposed to make the extra pass, and he doesn't. He just puts his head down and attacks the basket, and then when he realizes, ah, oh, crap, there's four guys in front of me, and he just kicks it out. Not enough time on the shot clock. One of the guy's shots get contested, and they miss it. Jalen Brown really isn't that that type of guy, and Jalen Brown needs to be more in key with the offense to make all of this work, and it's getting pretty annoying, like actually really annoying. And sure, you could look at the box score and say he went 8 for 14 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3, but then he went 2 of 7 from the line. How how do you shoot 2 of 7 from the free throw line? That is terrible. Uh, like, you, you know the saying, oh, I could do better. I mean, I probably couldn't, but I mean, 2 of 7, I I, I would give him a, a run for his money. Like, you, you have to be kidding me. And this is the part where... It absolutely drove me nuts. Jalen put his head down in front of the Celtics bench, drove hard with his weak hand, his left hand, and dunked it over Giannis Antetokounmpo and then flexed on him. Was it a great play? Sure, absolutely. It really was. But why are you flexing on the guy? You're down 15. Get your ass back on the defensive end of the floor and cut down the lead. Please, please. Because then when you flex, thinking that you're the real deal Holyfield when you're not, you get a technical, they stick to free throw, and now that cool dunk that you had is only worth one point. I'm sick of it. And then Jalen Brown on the defensive end of the floor, I don't I don't know what he's doing out there. He 
there would be times where he would switch when he's not supposed to switch, and there'd be times where he would switch, but it wouldn't be quick enough. He would literally give guys like Tony Snell wide open threes. Like he would switch, and then the ball would get swung too quickly, and then he w- he wouldn't even care about running over. There was no effort there. It was embarrassing to watch. And then his defensive rotations. Oh my god. His defensive rotation sometimes, he will literally like see the ball move and just not even hesitate to run over. He'll just let him be. He, oh my God. Thinking about how Jalen Brown played in this game has literally drove me crazy. Jalen Brown needs to get over himself. He, he really does. I mean, there were times where like, you know, we talk about Devin Booker and Jason Tatum, like put your hands up. There'd be times where he would literally just chill and be like, oh, hey, cool. Chris Middleton has the ball. Watch this. And he'll go in. He gave no effort on the boards, none. Sure, he got a couple rebounds, but they were probably long rebounds. It's not like he was going in there in traffic and getting rebounds like he should because the our two best rebounders or three best rebounders, if you include Aaron Baines, were, were out of this game. No Horford, no Morris. Get in there and make a goddamn rebound. Make a play. Be physical. You're like 22, 23 years old. This is... Oh, my God. Guys, I'm like... I'm over Jalen Brown, I think. I I can't believe that I'm going to say this, but I like Marcus Smart a lot more than I like Jalen Brown. And it's funny because a lot of people are saying I would never include Jalen Brown in an Anthony Davis trade. Yeah? How's Jalen Brown doing this year? Do you think the Pelicans would even take him? Because I don't. Pelicans would probably be like, screw you, Celtics. See you later. I'm all set with this. Seriously. All right. Enough about Jalen Brown because it's making me feel uncomfortable and it's the holidays. Oh my God, Jalen Brown sucks so much. As long as he did any better in the Hornets game, but don't worry, we'll get into that too. But he's like more of your dud this week. He's more of a... That's that's what Jalen Brown is. Maybe, maybe that will be my new segment. Celtic stud and dud and... Of the week. All right. What happened in the Suns game that I talked about? Bad rebounding, right? Celtics ended up with 36 rebounds. Bucks had 55. So, second straight game, losing the rebound battle by more than 19, second straight bad loss. This is the part that drove me crazy. Brad made sure the Celtics had great looks throughout the entire game. They really did. The ball was moving pretty well, not as well as you'd you'd like it to be, but the Celtics were not making bad decisions. The Celtics only had five turnovers. Five turnovers. The Bucks had 20. 2-0. So, literally, Celtics get out-rebounded by 19. They have 15 less turnovers than the other team, and they still got absolutely washed. Washed. And the worst part about it is, I think in this game, was like, where where was the bench with the attitude? I understand Marcus Morris wasn't there, and he's the guy who kind of created it. And I know Marcus Smart starts now, so maybe the bench with an attitude thing's gone. But every single time Giannis Antetokounmpo wasn't on the floor. The Celtics had an opportunity to come back into the game because arguably Giannis Antetokounmpo is their best player. Chris Middleton is very, very good. But besides that, I don't trust anyone on that basketball team. I really don't. Sure, Tony Snell and Thon Maker were, I didn't say Thong, I said Thon Maker, shot the lights out. And they always do against us for some odd reason. Oh, it's probably because Jalen Brown doesn't do his defensive rotations properly. But anyways, every single time Giannis left the floor, Celtics had a chance to get the lead back, and all the Bucks did was just expand the lead, and it and it it was so so infuriating. 
And I understand that the Bucks have a the I believe a top four, top five offense in the league, and that's great. So the Celtics can't be shooting thirty eight percent from the field and twenty nine percent from three point range, and the worst part, seventy five percent from the free throw line, and expect to win. I'm being serious. It's crazy. Now, one one last thing about this Bucks game before we actually get into the Hornets game real quick, but. Does everyone remember like Scary Terry versus Drew Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe, whatever you want to call him? Remember how Terry basically owned him in the playoffs? So Terry Rozier is obviously an important part of beating the Bucks, right? Terry Rozier was a minus 20. He scored four points. And guess what? Eric Bledsoe, 7-9 from the field, 16 points. Young guys got to show up. Young guys have to show up. I don't care if you're coming off the bench anymore, Terry Rozier, or you know, you're not starting anymore, Terry Rozier. I don't care. You need to show up and play in big games, and that one, terrible performance, absolutely terrible performance, but what wasn't a terrible performance was the Hornets game, the Celtics, after their team meeting, I guess they also had another team meeting the day after for 90 minutes, there were some Instagram videos of Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum playing with a snake, there was an alligator on the floor, from on the uh, practice floor from what I was hearing. So it looks like the Celtics had a zoo party and it brought the team closer together. So, okay, sure. But anyways, Celtics snapped their three-game losing streak and beat the Charlotte Hornets, who they lost to earlier this year. And they, they absolutely destroyed them. I mean, there were times where the Celtics were up 30. The Celtics almost scored 100 points before the end of the third quarter. It was it was very, very impressive. And the ball movement in this game was delicious, but to the point where you kind of got like a little too full, like you ate too much. The, there were times where like the Celtics would make six or seven passes before shooting the ball, you know, where when you were in high school or middle school, they'd always be like, make six or seven passes before anyone shoots. But this one was like, hey, you're wide open, shoot it. Oh, you pass it. Hey, you're wide open, shoot it. Oh, you pass it again. You know, which is great because I, I bet you none of the guys are like, I don't want to be selfish. 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 No, guys, it's okay to be selfish. It really is. It's okay. I promise. It's okay. Shoot the ball. If you're wide open, it's okay to shoot. The selfishness is when you think you can do everything on the court on your own. So if there's been four passes that come to you because of the way Brad has set it up and they're playing zone, because the Hornets played a lot of zone in that game, especially you you could notice it one time. Brad noticed it right away. He ran a play where Terry Rogier got the ball. I would say probably like... Maybe five feet in front of the announcer's table on their side of the court. And I think it was Tice to set a backdoor screen or a reverse screen for Gordon Hayward. And, and Terry Rogier somehow threw a good lob and Gordon dunked it. It was kind of like the same play that Gordon broke his ankle on. And it was a good play. And Brad saw that there was a, a zone right away. And the one way to beat the zone is backdoor cuts and screens. And Brad called it out perfectly. So shout out to Brad on that. The ball movement was there. It was really, really good. And guess what? The Celtics out-rebounded the Hornets by double digits, and the effort was there defensively. The Celtics did a great job, except for Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown sucked. Once again, three of nine shooting from the field. There were there are times where like people are like, oh, do you see that? Jalen Brown's so good. And like he just put his head down and goes to the basket. Sure, but he doesn't need to do that every single time he touches the basketball. And Jalen Brown still can't dribble. Like, there was a time where he would just dribble the lane and just lose the ball. He still can't dribble. Get your act together, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown is like, if Jalen Brown can come off the bench and give us 15 points a night, and Derry can give us a dozen, those two dudes coming off the bench are so important for this team. I 
I don't know if they don't like the pressure or they don't realize it. Like, just pretend you're starting. Get that mental mentality that, like, you're needed, you're important, just not right away. Like, that's all that it is. That's all that it is. Jay, like, I want Jalen Brown to be good. I want Jalen Brown to come back to the guy who would score 30 points in the Eastern Conference Finals when LeBron James is guarding him and he's fasting. That's the guy I want. But we don't have him right now. It's pissing me off in plain English. But I know I was bashing Terry a little bit, but Terry Rogier in this game, he didn't shoot the ball that well. But Terry Rogier in this game is the Terry Rogier I want. I really do. He had six, six assists. Six rebounds. I think he had nine, nine or ten points, but I don't. I like. I don't care that he was a minus three in this game because you could say for the last five minutes the Celtics just didn't care because they were winning by so much. That's why they only won by, I think, like sixteen. But Terry Rozier, if he can give us six assists, one or two turnovers, six boards, ten points, that's all I need. I'm I'm not asking for a lot. I'm not asking for him to come out and play like he did in the first round of the Bucks series, like scoring 17, having seven assists, seven boards. I'm not asking for that. I'm just asking for a little bit less. So I'll, I don't think it's asking for much. But the great part about the Celtics game is you realize that Marcus Morris and Al Horford are needed. Both of them came back. The defense looked different. Now teams can't collapse on the Celtics in the paint because all the Suns had to do would be like, oh, no Horford, oh, no Marcus Morris. Oh, so basically it's just going to be Kyrie and Jason Tatum, and all they're going to do is just either shoot from the outside, which they did, and they didn't do it very well, or attack the basket, and we'll just have DeAndre Ayton and TJ Warren just sitting there waiting for him. Yeah. So Marcus Morris, Al Horford, super important. Let's hope their knees are in good shape, and let's hope they both play against the 76ers this week. All right, guys, before we preview the upcoming week, let's get into our banner banter investigation we now interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special banner banter investigation celtics unit report okay this week's banner banter investigation is going to be on an individual because for the christmas theme or the christmas week edition of this podcast i was like all right I'm going to find a player by the name of Nick that has played for the Celtics, for good old St. Nick. There's never been a player by the name of Nick for the Boston Celtics. So how's that for a little fun fact of the day? Share that with your family at the dinner table. There's also never been anyone with the last name of, you know, like St. something or Claus or Santa. No one that has played for the Celtics has even been born on Christmas Day. So... Like, there's no, you know, there's no Prancer or Donner or Dixon. or I don't know all the reindeer names. I'm not a big Christmas guy. But yeah, what? so what What do I do? What do I do? Do I find some random player? No. This is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the history of the Boston Celtics on Christmas Day. Because the Celtics are playing Philadelphia 76ers, 530, TD Garden, big game, Christmas Day. Part of... The NBA does such a great job on Christmas Day. They play five games. The whole LeBron playing the Warriors thing is getting a little boring. Like, if it was Celtics-Lakers, that'd be cool. If it was, like, Warriors-Raptors, that'd be cool. Like, kind of do, like, a preseason. Like, who do you think the best teams are going to be? Like, do, do you get what I'm trying to say? Sometimes they really just do it. You know, like, the Knicks will probably always have that first 12 o'clock game because half the people 
in New York don't even celebrate Christmas. So they know that they can sell tickets and have a lot of people watch it. And I'm glad the Celtics are the 5.30 game, not the 3 o'clock game. But, but anyways, this was a really, really... Playing on Christmas in the NBA is a big, big deal. It's kind of like playing on Thanksgiving in the NFL. It's a big deal. The Celtics have played 31 times on Christmas Day. Okay, this this upcoming one will be 32. And they've only played four total times at home because Red Auerbach wanted to make sure all the Celtics employees didn't have to work. All the TD Garden, or I should say Boston Garden, because back then there was no TD Garden, it was just the Boston Garden, wouldn't have to work on Christmas. That's why Red Auerbach is, was and always will be a great guy. He really wanted people to be with their families, understand the work-life balance, all about it. Celtics overall record, 14-17 and 17 on Christmas. Really not that great. But they've had 27 games on the road because, you know, Red Auerbach never wanted to play. There were some times where they would play, don't get me wrong. You know, I, one time in the 80s, and this will now be the second time, and I think they played another time at home in, the, like, the early 60s. First game for the Celtics on Christmas Day was against the Philadelphia Warriors back in 1948. And then they played every single year on Christmas from 1948 to 1959. And their very first six games on Christmas, they lost. So 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53. Lost all those games. All of them. Then they played five games in the 60s, three games in the 70s, two games in the 80s, one game in the 90s. They only played one time on Christmas in the 90s. And then this year, tomorrow's game, will be the 10th time since 2002 that the Celtics have played on Christmas Day. So hopefully the Celtics can become 15-17 and 17 with their overall Christmas Day record by the end of the game tomorrow. And that's it for your Banner Banter investigation. So let's preview the upcoming games since we're talking about them. And then we'll end the podcast, and hopefully everyone can enjoy their Christmas. So the Celtics have a very tough week coming up. They really do. The 76ers are no joke. The 76ers beat the Raptors the other night by 25, and right now the Raptors are the number one seed, and I believe they have the best record in the NBA or the second best record in the NBA. It's it's a big win for them. And I understand, yes, it was home, but when they went up to Toronto, they got smoked. But that's the NBA for you. No one can win on in big games on the road anymore in the NBA. The other big thing about this game is this is the first time Jimmy Butler has been a part of this quote-unquote rivalry. Jimmy Butler is arguably top three, top four best player in the East now. He's that good. I would be shocked if the Celtics don't play a lot of zone and just kind of shadow J.J. Redick. Like if they just do a box and one and like put Horford wherever Embiid is and then just have two guys on the elbow and the other guy on the opposite block. Maybe have someone like Marcus Smart just run around in circles following J.J. Redick because Jimmy Butler can shoot the ball, but he's really not a great three-point shooter. Obviously, Ben Simmons is a coward and can't shoot a three-pointer for the life of him. And Bede can shoot three-pointers, but I think they'll want to put him on the post, especially if Horford has been dealing with that knee injury. They'll just want to wear him out as quick as possible. But I'm telling you guys, if Time Lord blocks Joel Embiid in this game, the garden might, might erupt. It's a big game. It's a big game. I know it's really not a rivalry because... The 76ers really haven't beat the Celtics that much, but it's an important game. The Celtics need this game to show, you know, the 76ers that, like, hey, we're legit. That Bucks game was embarrassing, but that's not who we are and who who we're going to be. They, The Celtics need to continue to be in the 76ers' head because if the 76ers win this game, they could be like, 
All we needed was Jimmy Butler to beat this team, and their confidence goes sky high. But if we can beat them again, that'll be big. Right after that, the Celtics, on Thursday, 8 p.m. game, they travel to Houston to play the Houston Rockets. The Rockets game could be tough. They're starting to play really well. They they were like the Celtics. They sucked. They had a losing record, unlike the Celtics, but they were not very good early in the year, and they just signed Austin Rivers. And the reason why they signed Austin Rivers is because, any guesses? Chris Paul. Yep, he got hurt again. He's going to be out for two or three weeks, so the Celtics will not have to play Chris Paul and the Houston Rockets. It will just be James Harden. Really, just watch out for James Harden. I mean, P.J. Tucker, love watching him play. His sneaker collection, if you guys have time, Google P.J. Tucker sneaker collection. It's bananas. Absolutely insane, all the different limited edition sneakers he has. It's so cool. It's so cool. Oh, and speaking of limited edition sneakers, check out Kyrie's Kicks. On Christmas Day, limited edition. There's only going to be, there's not going to be a lot of pairs available, but those sneakers that he's wearing at halftime will be available at the TD Garden Pro Shop during halftime of the 76ers Christmas game. Go to the TD Garden Pro Shop. They're a limited edition. The packaging is really, really cool. It's a must buy. Hopefully, I get a pair. I already have a pair. All right. James Harden, back to the Rockets game real quick. If the Celtics don't put any effort in on defense like they did, against the Bucks and the Suns, James Harden's going to go off 50 points. I'm being serious. Because with no Chris Ball, he's going to want to shoot the ball every single opportunity that he can. So Celtics need to defend James Harden. Do it well. Then Saturday night, 8 o'clock, they, they're in Memphis. Memphis have lost five of the last six games, but they've lost to good teams. The Kings, the Trailblazers, the Warriors, the Rockets, and the Heat. They just beat the Lakers the other night. Mike Conley is having an all-star year. He's missed a couple games with injury. Marcus Gasol, Always good, especially against the Celtics. But keep an eye out for Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson's a kid from Michigan State. I wanted the Celtics to draft him so bad. The kid is an absolute freak of an athlete. He's kind of like, I don't want to compare him to Zion Williamson, but he's just one of those people where you're like, how are you this big and move that quickly? And that, like, he's a freak of an athlete. So keep an eye out on him. Celtics could have a really, 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 really good week this week, or it could be another crappy week like it was last week, losing to the Suns and the Bucks. So that's it. Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope everyone gets everything that they wanted, and all I want is for you to listen to this podcast and tell your friends, you know, if you could buy them an iTunes subscription to this podcast, go right ahead. Buy them a gift card, throw it in their stocking, or you'll probably listen to this after Christmas anyway, so none of this really matters. But at Banner Banter Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Banner Banter 18 on the Twitter machine, Podbean, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. Thanks to everyone for listening. Merry Christmas, and we'll talk to you on New Year's Eve day next week. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night. Good night.